0: Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Uh, Introduce our missionaries here in a moment, Jonathan and Sarah Strong. And uh, so excited to have them here today, kind of planned it this way on purpose. We got back late on Friday and uh, we love to celebrate missions when we can. I was telling Pastor Jonathan before church, one of the things I'm most excited about is uh, just on the other side of the wall where Manasseh is out in the hallway, there's plaques on the wall of the missionaries that we support, missions organizations. Uh, one of the things I am most proud of in our couple of years here is that we have gone from supporting four missionary organizations to supporting ten. Um, so you should give the Lord a hand for that because that is an awesome thing. And... The reason it's awesome is because it helps the gospel go outside of these four walls. We support organizations in Boise. We support organizations for young people. We support organizations overseas. And uh, Jonathan and Sarah are some of the missionaries that we took on pretty early on when we got here. So would you give him a huge warm welcome this morning as he comes, Pastor Jonathan.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Yep. Good morning, church. It is a joy to be here with you. I wanted to start by saying thank you for being faithful supporters of us. Um, It means a lot to us that every month when we can look at our reports, we know that this is a church that will faithfully give every single month. You've never missed a month, so we wanted to start out by saying thank you. So as you can see, you might have seen my crazy kids in that row there. We have a son, Zion, a daughter, Everly, and my wife, Sarah. Um, yeah, if you go to the next slide, I'm going to give you a quick highlight. So Sarah and I, we've done two missionary associate terms, one in Africa and Zanzibar, and one in Asia and Nepal. Um, so last time we were here, we gave you a, a highlight of Zanzibar. Um, this time I'll give you a very quick highlight of Nepal, then I'll get into where we're going next, and then I'll get into our message. So Nepal, um, we ha- in order to- you can't be a missionary in Nepal, so we had to start a business there. Um, We started a graphic design and marketing business, and our first employee we ever hired name is Nima. She actually is now um, a water-baptized, spirit-filled believer, so we're thankful for that, Um, as well as one of Sarah's closest friends that she made while she was there. Her name is Rebecca, um, also a spirit-filled believer, Um, and then we started studying the language of Zonka, which is the language of Bhutan. So last time we were here, if you go to the next slide, we shared a little bit about our trying to get into the country of Bhutan. So we joined a team as missionary associates. I'll kind of give you a quick overview um, for the Assemblies of God. You join another missionary, you join their team, and you try to get into whatever country that that team's a part of. So our country was Bhutan. So as you can see, Nepal is right next to Bhutan. So we were based in Kathmandu, and our team was trying to get into Bhutan. For the last four years, our leader was trying to get in. Um, He just went back to the States. They're actually going to be taking an assignment elsewhere. So our, their leaders asked us, hey, can you go back to the States? Can you switch to be career missionaries, which we're now approved. We're now career missionaries, and we're going to be raising funds to go to the country Bhutan. Um, I say all that to say, as career missionaries, as um, future team leaders, we're looking for team members. It's a whole church of people that believe in Jesus, believe in the power of God, and believe that God can do mighty things in Boise and even in Bhutan, So open invitation to everyone in this room, no matter what your age is, even if you're a kid, maybe when you turn 18, you're ready to go. Open invitation to join our team in Bhutan. So if you go to the next slide, oh, this is the slide, okay, you're good. So Bhutan, I'll just give you a very quick overview of it, I'll I'll touch on it at the end. Bhutan is a, a nation ran by a king, it is obviously in between India and China, it is a Buddhist nation, the most Buddhist country in the world, they're very proud of that. Um, The missionaries aren't allowed there. It's one of the hardest countries to get missionaries into. We haven't had a missionary for eight years in this country. The Summies of God, that is. So we're working very hard to develop businesses. My background is in accounting in order to get businesses into this country so we can have a team of missionaries there. So if you go to the next slide today, as I've been praying... um, over the past week, trying to figure out what in the world am I going to speak on today? And I want, every time I speak to a church, I want God to give me direction on what I'm going to preach on. And I felt very strongly the Lord said, hey, speak on the Great Commission. So I, I opened my Bible, I went to Matthew, and then I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't, I'm like, okay, it's not, the, it's not Matthew Great Commission, I've preached on that many times. Then I look, opened my phone, I went to Mark, I went to Luke, I went to John, I went to Acts. It's like, "Ah, oh, I'm not feeling that either. So I'm, I went back to Matthew in my Bible. And much to my surprise, the Great Commission starts in verse 16, according to the NIV and the ESV, not verse 18, which is what I've always preached on, verse 18 or 19 and 20. So this is what I thought, okay, this is exactly what the Lord has for this church today. I'm super excited to preach it. I know that this message is for me. I know that without a doubt, and I believe it's for you as well. Um, So this, I'm just going to give you a little bit of backstory if you're not familiar with this. So this is in in the timeline of Jesus. Jesus has died. He's, he, he was three days later raised from the grave. This is 40 days after that. He's visiting his disciples for those 40 days. Um, he's, he's teaching them about how he fulfilled prophecy. He's preparing them for when he leaves, all those 40 days. And it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. This is, sorry, I never read it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and 17. This is right before the Great Commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus Directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So if you read this verse slowly and try to analyze it here, you can see in the very beginning the disciples start off very strong here. It says, somehow Jesus directed them somewhere, and they were obedient. They went to the place Jesus directed them. Like, hey, that's sometimes one of the harder parts is you listen to that voice of God and you're like, ah, is he saying this to me? Like, I'm just gonna walk in faith. They walk in faith. Okay, we're at the place. It says, they got to the mountain and they saw Jesus. When they saw Jesus, they began to worship him. So they're like two for two. This is like as perfect as it gets. God speaks to you, you believe it, you follow him, you get there. Wow, I was correct. I see Jesus, I worship him. And then, of course, the last three, ver- the last three words here say, but some doubted. And that's the basis of the Great Commission is Jesus coming to his disciples in their moment of doubt and giving them this, this commissioning that's for his 11 disciples here as well as everyone in this room today. Jesus is saying, hey, it doesn't matter if you have the doubt. If you had some doubt in your mind, why were they worshiping Jesus and then they were filled with doubt? I don't know. But Jesus is saying, I will use you even with that doubt that you may have. And here's why. We're going to go, uh, I'm going to share a quick story about how God did this in my life, and then we'll jump into the rest of the Great Commission. So if you go to the next slide, um, this is my friend Saloom. I'm gonna give you a very quick overview of Saloom. So this is back, f- picture was taken about five years ago when we first went to Zanzibar. Um, we were English teachers there. Every single day he would sit right next to me after class and he would wanna just speak English with me, learn, learn different things about our culture. He was just all in on getting to know me and my, and my culture. So one day, um, I'll give you a quick overview. So, so my friend, he's a Muslim. He's he's a very very like very very devout Muslim, and he said he went to the mosque to pray. He said he goes to the mosque every day to pray. But for the first time in his life, Allah spoke back to him as he was praying. Do you want to know what Allah said to my friend Saloom? He said, "Go to teacher John." And asked for the New Testament Bible and began to study it with him. And so the, now, this is my friend. He's sitting with me. I won't go, go into the whole story, but essentially he says, Hey, this is what the first time ever my God spoke to me. I'm gonna listen. Can we start studying the New Testament? Do you have one of those? I pull one out, I'm like, this is it. He's like, Is you know, if, if you've ever witnessed with the Muslim, he said, Is this a corrupt copy? Has this copy been corrupted? I I was like, oh, no, this copy is genuine. This is the best copy of the New Testament you can find. It was in Swahili. It was in English. And he's super excited. He said, teacher, I will read this book by Thursday. This was a Monday. And then we will begin to study. So on Thursday, I meet with him. He says, I've read the book in English and in Swahili. I don't know if that's possible, but that's what he told me. And that's how our discipleship journey began was this amazing moment of, I believe, our God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to him in that moment, saying, begin studying the Bible with Teacher John. So we began discipling him for a few months go by, and I'll pick up the story. Sarah and I are hosting a team of college students, and we're in the capital city of Zanzibar. Um, We're we're taking them out to dinner, and it's the start of dinner, and my phone just continually rings over and over and over again. And I just keep ignoring it because I'm hosting a team. I pull out my phone. it says, oh, my goodness, 11 missed calls from Saloom. I'm like, okay, I probably should call him back. So I step away. I call him. He said, teacher, this is urgent. You must meet with me right now. It's like, where are you? So we met. We walked for two hours through Stonetown. You can go to the next slide. It will show a little picture of what Stonetown looks like. We're walking through Stonetown. We're talking. I'm like, you made this seem so urgent. We've talked for two hours. Like, what is this news that you have for me? Because we're just talking casual talk over and over and over again for two hours. And he says, teacher, I've been dreading telling you this. My mom said she's seen a change in me. And she says that. This change, she doesn't like it. She said, I must go, and I must go to Islamic school. I'm going to be sent away to Islamic school, and I can no longer study the Bible with you. And that, in that moment, I was crushed. And if I'm being honest with you, which I will be, I was angry, wasn't angry at Saloom, wasn't angry at his mom, I was angry with God. God, why would you ordain this moment? You're the one that put him in my life. You're the one that asked him to study the Bible with me. You're the one that sees he's so close to making a decision to follow you. Why would you do this? And I was frustrated. We talked for a little bit more. We parted ways. And now this is two hours later. So I left my money with Sarah. She was going to pay for the college team. And I've, I told her, I'll just be gone a few minutes, and it's been two hours at this point. So I'm, like, running through Stonetown back. I mean, as fast as I can go, just ignoring everyone. In Stonetown, everyone's trying to sell things to you. So I'm just ignoring everybody. And usually as a missionary, you know, you walk, you greet everyone, you talk with people, you believe any moment could be an opportunity to share the gospel. Not this time. I'm just going as fast as I can through the market. And this one man, he doesn't have a shop. He's just trying to sell one item. Typically, the poorest people in Zanzibar, they'll try to sell one item each day, and that will be their food for the day. And he shoves this item into my chest. It was a boat full of spices, a little boat. And I just, oh, like, I'm like, I'm frustrated. I keep walking about 20 yards past the individual, and I hear the voice of God say, stop. So I was worked up. So in that moment, it's like, that's really easy to listen to. Stop. Okay, I can stop. I stopped. And then I heard the voice of God say, hey, go back to that man. I'm right away. Immediately, hey, in that moment, I didn't think, hey, I'm smarter than God, but I was filled with doubt. God, why would I go back to that man? I left all of my money with Sarah. I literally don't have one penny to give this man. Why would I go back to him? Normally, if I had money with me, I would walk back to the man, hand him some money, greet him, be on my way with my business. I heard it again go back to this man. So I'm a little bit like, okay, this is, this is silly, but I'm going to walk back to this man. And I go up to him. I greet him in Swahili, and his response is, wow, I've never heard a foreigner speak such perfect Swahili. We've only been here a few months at this point. And I thought, wow, I've never spoken such good Swahili. Maybe this is what God has for me in this moment. Maybe it is. So I say, hey, brother, I'm in a, I'm in a big hurry, but if you want, we can walk and talk. He says, sure. So we began walking and talking. He's telling me all about his life. Um, he says, brother, I have, have you noticed that I have an eye patch on? It's like, yeah, I've noticed you have an eye patch on. He goes, okay, just last week, less than a week ago, I was driving my motorcycle, and I crashed into a truck, and that truck was carrying rebar, and a piece of rebar went through my eyeball. Poked my brain. I've been in a ton of pain ever since then. That's why I'm trying to sell this boat at night. Normally, you know, you sell it during the day when all the tourists are out. But I can't be out during the day because it hurts my head so bad. I have to be out at night. I was like, in this moment, you know, I was full of doubt. I was full of anger. Then it moved to doubt. It moved to me thinking, what is God doing here? To then in that moment, I knew right away, hey, this is a moment from God where I need to pray for this man. So I said, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Very boldly. Do you believe in Jesus? He's like, no, I'm a Muslim. I don't believe in Jesus. I believe he was a prophet. I was like, do you know the Jesus that I believe in? He goes, are you a Christian? I said, yes. He said, you believe Jesus is the Son of God? It's like that's right. I said, can I pray to Jesus, who is the Son of God, that he would heal your eye? He looks at me. He pauses. He looks down. He looks back at me. He says, why not? So I began to pray for him. Very, very brief prayer. Nothing overly powerful with the words. I said, Jesus, I believe you can heal his eye. Jesus, heal his eye. The man looks at me. He starts jumping up and down over and over again like this, and then he runs away. And I'm chasing after this man through stonetown, now back the opposite way. Like, hey, what happened, brother? Hey! I didn't even remember his name in that moment. I, I still don't know his name. Brother, what happened? He's just running. I'm chasing after him. Eventually, he stops. He goes, Jesus, the son of God, he healed my eye. Never have seen that man again. I've never shared this story. I don't, I've, this happened over five years ago. Never shared it because it was like, I don't know what happened to the man. I don't know if he believes in Jesus still. I don't know the rest of his story. But I felt led to share this story today because Jesus is saying in the beginning, you, you see the scene being set. The disciples are filled with doubt. But Jesus says, hey, I will come and I will give you this great commission because it's not about you. It's about your obedience, and following what I have for you. Even if you have that moment of doubt. I know in my life, many times, you'll have that split second of doubt. And then you'll let the, the enemy use that doubt against you. Oh, you've already doubted God. You, God can't use you now. You're not good enough for God to use you now. You've already doubted. But I don't believe that's true. I believe if we're still obedient with God after that moment of doubt, God says, hey, I will use this obedience. I will use your faithfulness now. So we're going to jump into the rest of the Great Commission. So this is the traditional Great Commission here, 28, verse 18, the very next verse. This is the beginning part. I usually would always skip this part. It didn't really have any meaning to me. But it says, Jesus came and said to them. So keep that in mind. The very last three words were, but some doubted. And now Jesus, Son of God, who just died on the cross, raised from the grave, He comes to visit them in their moment of doubt. And then he says these three verses, which I'm sure a lot of us know very well. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus starts with saying all authority. It's, it's about Jesus in this moment. All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. So for us, trying to get into the country of Bhutan, which is ruled by a king who wants nothing to do with foreigners coming to his country, not just missionaries, but foreigners, Jesus is saying all authority over the kingship of Bhutan, over the government of the United States, over the government here, is mine. All authority is mine. Other translations say all power is mine. Then in verse 19, he goes into the Great Commission what we're supposed to do. This is the commissioning for all of us, a commandment for all of us. Go and make disciples of all nations, literally meaning all people groups. So this is still for us today. How can we do that? We physically are in Boise, Idaho, living on the ends of the earth from where Jesus was saying this. What can we do here in our city? What can we do in our schools? What can we do in our workplace to be able to fulfill verse 19. Even if you say, oh, that's not for me. Oh, that's for the pastor. Oh, that's for a missionary. Jesus is saying, no. You, person with the doubt, that's for you. Person who doesn't think this verse is for you, this is for you. What can we do as a church to bring our community together, to lift up Jesus' name in places that his name isn't lifted up? Doesn't have, you don't have to go all the way around the world to go to the country of Bhutan to find lost people that do not believe in Jesus. You might actually be more hated sharing the gospel here than maybe I will be in Nepal and Bhutan. I know I've experienced that in America. You share, you get a lot of hate back. A lot of times in Nepal, I get a lot of respect back. Hey, I respect your religion, but I'm not going to follow Jesus. That might be what they say. Here you might not get that, but Jesus is saying, hey, even in your doubt, even in those moments of saying, this isn't for me, Jesus is saying, the very end here, I will be with you always. The literal translation means I will be with you every single day until I return. Every single day when you're trying to evangelize. Every single day when you're sharing the lost. Every single day when you're trying to be a good example and everyone else is looking at you funny. Why are you being different? Why are you acting different? Jesus says, I will be with you always. So if you go to the next slide, we're going to jump into verse 18 a little further. I have three pictures on the slide here. that might not make a lot of sense to you, but this is... Um, our first convert in Africa, his name, we referred to him as Nick. This is a boat and a bunch of bees. So last time I was here, I probably mentioned a little bit, some story about Nick. Um, Nick is, was the first convert, like I said, he's been water-baptized, spirit-filled. He's now the pastor of a church of all former Muslims that all our water-baptized, spirit-filled believers that he's led to the Lord or the people he's led to the Lord have led to the Lord. So I I'm, I'm probably have shared this last time, so forgive me if, you ha- if you've heard this already. But Nick is someone who was persecuted very heavily when he became a Christian. He lost his house. He lost his wife. Um, he lost his job. And then over and over and over again, taking away the material things, he was still a Christian. So they said, we're going we're gonna to try to kill him. That's our right under Sharia law to kill this man. So over and over again, they tried to kill him. They tried to stone him at this point. They have tried to hang him. They have tried to poison him. And they've tried to drown him. So Nick, despite of all these attempts, God intervenes. And with that, he was still sharing with others. So the second person to come to Jesus, we refer to him as, his name is Hank. And Nick and Hank are very, very close brothers um, in the Lord. And this time, they were both captured. They were taken by eight Muslim men. They were brought to a beach. It was high tide, so there was actually water there. This is when there's low tide. And they're brought to the ocean, and they're sat down in the beach. And they were told they were waiting for a boat to come to pick them up, to take them further into the ocean this time. They're going to drop them in the ocean. It's the middle of the night. They will drown, and then the boat will leave, and they'll be dead. So they, they hear this news, and they begin praying. If, if you know our God that we serve, I believe it's true that all authority in heaven and earth is Jesus's. So they began praying. Again, it's pitch black. It's nighttime. Last time they did it a little earlier in the day, and a boat actually came by. Two hours into Nick treading water, came by and rescued him. So like, okay, we're going to do this at 1 a.m. instead of 11 p.m. We're going to go farther out. So they're praying. They're, They're just they're praying, God, help us to be able to be used by you. Help us to still listen to what you have for us. And they're just kneeling there praying. They begin to pray in tongues. They said as they were praying, they hear a swarm of bees come and begin hearing everyone yelling, ah, ah, and people are panicked. They're kneeling on the ground. One runs one way, one runs the other way. So Nick is running this way. He realizes the way that Hank's running, if you're familiar with how some oceans work, he's going to get trapped. There's no way out that way. He's physically going to have to run back. So Nick realizes that. He runs back through the bees and the eight men yelling, he says, hey, Hank, this, you got to come this way. So now they run back through the bees a third time and out to safety. And you may think, okay, that's cool. Not a big deal, right? They could have just happened to be a swarm of bees that night that came to save them. But it's super cool if you've ever studied bees. They can't fly at nighttime. Did you know that? Like they physically can't do it. And God, who I believe and I hope you believe, has all authority on heaven and earth can send a swarm of bees to save two men who other people are trying to kill. So we're going to go to the next verse here. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is the meat of the Great Commission. Most people have this verse memorized. Jesus starts off, All authority is mine. This is what you have to do. I don't know exactly, I don't have all, I didn't talk with Pastor John ahead of time and get all of your your visions and your plans for this community because I know every pastor has that vision of how are we going to reach this community? How are we going to do it? Maybe they don't have all of the answers, but I believe that from this, from the authority that Jesus has, we will be able to reach this kingdom for God. We will be able to reach this city for God's glory, for God's kingdom. And I just wanted to challenge you every single person in this room, that this verse was for you. This verse was written by Matthew for you today. And when you read this verse, you might not even be thinking about Boise. Maybe your mind immediately goes to, oh, God called me to serve, fill in the blank, maybe when you were a boy or a girl. And that verse, that pops into your mind, that memory you have. And God is saying, hey, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to walk in my will and my calling that I have for you. So I'm going to continue on. We're going to go to the last verse here, and I'm just going to skip ahead to the the very end of it. It says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I believe that this is powerful, because I know for me there's many, many moments when you're discipling someone and you don't feel Like this is like you don't feel like you're good enough. You don't feel like I can't do this. I don't have the knowledge. I know for me it was when I was trying to disciple someone in Swahili for the first time. My first convert that I was discipling was in English. He was super good at English. He was like one of the most advanced students at our school. So I was comfortable leading him to the Lord in English. But the first time I had to do it in Swahili, I thought, oh, this is impossible. How can I do this in Swahili? How can I do this in Swahili? But God was with me. God was with that situation. I won't go into the whole story, but even, even the very first time I began studying with someone in Swahili, we read John chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Muslim man, the first time, the first verse I've ever studied with someone in Swahili, this is a big deal if you know that verse. It's literally saying Jesus is the Son of God. And this man, he looks at me, says, what is the, what is the Word? And I asked him, I felt the voice of the Lord say, ask him what he thinks the Word is. Cause I didn't know how to explain it in Swahili. I ask him. He sits there for a minute. He says, "I believe the word is Jesus." So in that moment, when I thought in my head, "How in the world am I going to do this in Swahili?" the Holy Spirit said, "Hey, I got your back. I got your back. I've already been working on this individual." Little did I know, he said three years ago, a missionary came to the island, was randomly passing out Bibles. One of those Bibles went to his dad, and he said, I've actually been studying the Anjil in secret. I actually already know these things. I like, how would I have? He's like, I've never shared with anyone that I have an Anjil because I was nervous. But that was, that's, I mean, that's just how God works. God will be with us. It's not about us. It wasn't about my knowledge of Swahili. It wasn't about my knowledge of the Bible. It was about listening to the voice of God and saying, hey, I will be obedient when you speak to me. When you lead me, I will listen. I mean, I, I wish you could have felt in my head in that moment of panic. Like, how am I going to explain this to him? Why did I pick this verse? Like, ah, uh, I can't believe I picked this verse to start in John chapter one. So if we go to the next slide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I'm going to share a little bit about Bhutan and I'm going to share a little bit about what's next for us and possibly what's next for you guys. So Sarah and I, when we... Think of Bhutan. So now, essentially, for eight years, the highest-up leader in the Summit of God World Missions has been trying to get a team of missionaries into this country. And there's been different leaders after different leaders after different leaders that have tried, and every time, they're not able to get in. And now we've been tasked by our leader's leader saying, hey, you guys are the ones that we believe can get this business started in this country I'm a very logical, practical person. I was an accountant, like very black and white. I'm thinking, if all these people have have tried and couldn't do it, why? Like, why would you choose us, God? Like, we have to start from scratch. We don't have a team. How is all of this going to come together? How is this possible? And just over and over again, Sarah and I just felt a peace. Continue to move forward with your next step. Continue to take that next step of faith. And that's all we can do in that moment. We've had tons of people say, hey, don't even try to get into Bhutan. Just go somewhere simpler. Go somewhere easier. You have two kids, a three and a two-year-old. Just go somewhere easier where you, don't, you can have stability and you can raise your kids there for the next 16 years. But We believe God is saying, hey, take that next step of faith. Whatever comes after that step, we don't know. But we believe that God will get us to be able to reach this very dark and very lost nation. It's about the same population as this county here in Ada County. And we believe they have no, no access to the gospel their entire life. They can live, they can die, and have never heard who Jesus is because there's no one to tell them. And their king is, makes it very, very difficult to go there. $250 a day, I told you this last time I was there, per person to live in the country. Unless you start a, a business. But the caveat for the businesses, they make it even more challenging than most countries. We started a business in Nepal, we can do that. You're saying, hey, you can't provide a good or a service to someone in my country. So if you think of businesses, that like eliminates basically like 95% of the businesses in the world. But we believe that God will make a way for us to be able to go to this lost nation. So today. I wanted us all to take a minute and to think about what is next in all of our lives. What is that thing that pops into your mind when you're praying and you think that's not possible or, oh God, that, that, that's for down the road. Hey, maybe when I, my, fi- my finances are more in line, hey, then I'll start tithing. And God is saying, hey, even in your doubt in this moment today, can day, today be the day that you start tithing? Whatever it is, whether it's giving to missions, whether it's physically going on a missions trip, I know that there's lots of missions trips that you guys could join um, through, the, through Southern Idaho's district or just through the, U, the United States. We have tons of mission, missions trips that we do. But I wanted to give all of us an extended time to listen to the voice of God. I love to speak. I love to share stories. I actually cut out a lot of my stories today because I wanted you guys to have that time to not listen to me but to listen to God. And I believe All of my heart, I've prayed about it. I know that God will speak to you today. I know it. So to close out this section, I would like to pray for you guys. And as I'm praying, I believe that God will speak to you. You don't have to listen to the words that I'm even saying. You can just listen to the voice of God. Say, God, what is next for me? God, what is next? What do you have next for me so that I can fulfill this great commission, whether here or somewhere else? Because God says, go and make disciples everywhere. So as I pray, can you bow your heads? Can you close your eyes? Seriously, you don't have to listen to a word that I say. Listen to the voice of God and ask him very clearly. God, speak to me. God, speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. Tell me where it is that you have to go. Where it is that I should be going next. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to, to lift up your name to be able to worship freely in this free country in the world. I pray that in this moment that you would speak to us, that you would speak to your church, that you wouldn't make it a, a secret or that you, wouldn't, that you wouldn't hide this from us, Lord, that you would speak to us in this moment. I pray that you would give direction for Pastor John. I pray that you would give direction for the board. Jesus, give direction of what is next. What are our next steps as a church to be able to fulfill the Great Commission in our neck of the woods in Boise, Idaho? Jesus, help us to have that wisdom that can only come from you, not from our experiences and our jobs or our experiences as pastor. Help us to have wisdom like you gave Solomon, wisdom that you gave Jesus. I pray that we would have that same wisdom when we're making decisions, Lord. I pray for each and every individual in this room that maybe they had, a, that they had some doubt today as I was speaking. Or maybe they had some insecurities pop up in their minds. Like, God, I can't do the next step you have for me because of this. Jesus, I pray against those thoughts. I pray that you would not let the enemy take those thoughts and hold them captive in their minds. I pray that you would uh, break, down those, break down those thoughts, break down those insecurities that you would help us all to be able to take the next step of obedience in the process, whatever it looks like. Jesus, help us to be obedient in the next step, whatever that may be. Jesus, speak to us today. Jesus, speak to us today. Holy Spirit, Spirit. Speak speak to us today, Lord. Jesus, I pray for favor for this church, favor for this the individuals in this church, Lord. That as we follow you and as we believe in you, and as we take our steps of obedience, that we would have favor that can only come from you, favor with government, favor with man. Jesus, help us to carry out your will and your purpose. Jesus, speak to us today. Help us to receive what you have for us. Help us to be able to listen to your voice. Help us to be able to practice what it is that you have said to us today pray these things in your mighty and precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, Man, what's that awesome, church? Thank you for speaking to us this morning, Pastor Jonathan. Hey, before we go today, uh, I want to make sure and do this. He's prayed over our church. Uh, He's prayed for the city of Boise. I just want to give you a chance. Would you just let us know? Go ahead and take this mic. Uh, uh, Would you just let us know how we can pray for you uh, as a church, and then we'll pray over you before we go today.
1: Um, similarly, I, I mean, we're, we're looking for favor with a king. Like literally the king is the one that will decide our fate in the country of Bhutan. And I, we know from reading the Bible, right, that God can speak to a king. God can use a king to accomplish his will. And we just want favor in that king's eyes. Not because we deserve it, but from that favor that can only come from God. So just the ability to, to for access to the country, for creative ideas and this process for essentially, so we're going to be in the States for about a year. And we're going to be figuring out how can we get into this country, Bhutan. We're going to be raising our funds. We'll be essentially looking for team members. We can definitely be praying. I mean, this is, this is new to us. I don't know how to recruit people to join our team. That just mm-hmm. hasn't really been something we've ever done before. So even if you have pointers for me afterwards, <laughs> help, me, help me to do this better next time. But prayer for recruiting a team, prayer for access, um in Kathmandu, I don't know, maybe some of you know, maybe not, but I developed a lung disease from, um, the doctor said, from the pollution there. Um, so I've, I've been trying to walk out. I mean, it's been, it's been a journey, but I've, I've continually, as I've been praying, I'm someone that loves to pray for other people, and I've continually felt God say, you need to continually ask for prayer for your lungs. And I've been challenged in that, so I almost didn't do it again. But sure. if you could pray for my lungs, and be- I believe God will hear my lungs. I don't know when, but I
0: believe that it will happen. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Um, here's what we're going to do. We are going to pray over all of that stuff. But um, since you mentioned it, let's just pray specifically for healing for your lungs. Um, Al, would you come up here? Let's pray. Any of the others of you that feel led, would you come lay your hands on Jonathan today? We're going to pray for healing. We actually prayed for you on a Wednesday Uh, A little while back, I heard heard you were sick, didn't know what it was, um, but we prayed for you. So uh, we're going to lay our hands on you today, and we're going to believe that God will bring you healing, if not in this moment, in whatever way he sees fit. The rest of you, would you just stretch your hands forward uh, towards this man of God this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for Jonathan. Uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus, as you know him inside and out. Lord, we come before you today, and we just ask that you would take command of this lung disease in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you bring healing in his body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet? Lord, as we prayed, uh, as we took communion, Lord Jesus, by your stripes we are healed. We plead your blood over him today. So we just pray for divine healing in Jonathan today. His breathing would be deep. His lungs would be healed, Lord Jesus, in your powerful and your mighty name. And I know that Jonathan, Lord, will give you glory uh, when his healing comes, whether it's in this moment, whether it's through the wisdom of a doctor, or whether uh, it's in a time to come, Lord Jesus, we just ask you for healing. Lord, when it comes to their family, we just ask that you would be with Jonathan and Sarah. Lord, I pray that even now, a year out, you would give them favor in the heart and the mind of the king of Bhutan. Uh, Lord, somehow, some way, this king of this nation uh, would have these people on their mind, that you would give them favor as they prepare to come. Lord, I pray that you would prepare a path for them to introduce people to you, to tell people about you. Would you give them new ideas, new vision for a business they can run there uh, that will point people towards you? Lord, I pray you would give Jonathan wisdom as he goes to uh, prepare a team, to lead a team, to recruit a team. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would take good care of his family divinely, powerfully, Lord Jesus. Would you put your strong right hand on them, protect his kids, protect his wife, bind them together, dear Lord. Uh, Lord, we just wrapped them in prayer, wrapped them in your love this morning and we send them, Lord, in your mighty name. I pray that in a year's time or even less, you would hear of your mighty works in Jonathan's life, in Sarah's life, in the lives of their kids, would you provide for them supernaturally, mightily. Thank you for what you put in their hearts, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Friends, thanks for praying this morning. Thanks for, uh, Jonathan, thanks for coming this morning and sharing with us. Appreciate you so much. I encourage you. Every time you walk by that wall out there, Hey, pray over them, remember them in prayer, and uh, if you want to go serve in the country of Bhutan, you know who to talk to. Uh, Thank you, uh, church, for praying today. Hey, if I have not met you, and I never have, I would love to meet you out there in the lobby on your way out. Uh, With that, you are dismissed to go. We will see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., or uh, next Sunday, 9.30 for Sunday School, 10.30 for church. Uh, Great to be back with you, and uh, we'll see all of you very, very soon.
1: Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com.
0: Have an amazing day.